0: That's the theme that our elders have set before us this year, and in just a few minutes we're going to be talking about our God, and we'll be looking upward in order to do that. But before we do that this morning, I want us to think about uh, something that you may have gotten this past week. Uh, We have, we started this a while back, sending out text messages, updates, midway updates, And you may have noticed a couple this past week that uh, came to you that was from a different number. Uh, It no longer comes from my personal number, it comes from a different number, and it's made it so much simpler in order to do that, made it possible for us to do some other things with it as well. But if you uh, do not choose to receive those text messages and want to stop those, all you have to do is type in stop and reply back to the uh, to the message, and it will automatically take you off the list. If you would like to receive text messages, then please write your name and cell number down, and I'll uh, be glad to add you to that list, and that way you can receive messages when someone is sick, when there's a death, when there are other pertinent uh, matters that need to be uh, put out during the week, someone needs to, uh, to receive, uh, uh, to have our prayers offered for them. And uh, we try try to do better in communicating with you the things that are going on here at Midway. You know, I don't know which would really be worse. To lose a child to death, especially as a Christian parent, or to lose a child through rebellion. A child who rebels against you, the parent, and against the God of heaven. I truly don't know which one would be worse. After spending years loving that child and trying to raise that child and praying for the best for that child, the pain of having that child reject you and reject the Lord must run deep. From some who have uh, experienced that, they have said that it is easier, they believe, to lose the child to death than to lose them to rebellion. For at least with death, there can be finality and closure. However, with rebellion, it is an ongoing process. A rebellious child can make a parent feel like a failure, so I've been told. And as you think about that, it a case. Sometimes when we raise children, we do everything that we can, but they make their own decisions. For example, in the Garden of Eden, who could have had a better better father than Adam and Eve? And yet they made the decision to sin against God. But as we contemplate that this morning, the same must have been the case, or the feelings must have been present when King David had a son who rebelled against him you see his son absalom he rebelled against his father was determined to become to dethrone his father and become king it was so bad that absalom tra- chased after his father and his father's army with his own army and sought to kill his own father and david had to flee had to flee jerusalem it's in that setting that our psalm this morning was written it's from those a heart of a parent who must have been feeling the hurt of that rebellion that this Psalm is written. In Psalm sixty three, let's look at together at verses one and two, the Bible says, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. David penned these words as he had fled from Jerusalem, as his own son and his army was chasing after him. David said, I am looking for God. You see, David knew that the only one who could get him through these troubled times was his God. I want you to note this morning that David said, I earnestly seek for you. That's one word in the original language. It literally means to earnestly seek or to search. It's more than just a casual search. It's more than, well, I glanced over this way to see if God was there. David said, I am, I am searching with my very being. I am looking as hard as I can. And when David searched in that way for his God, I want you to know that he found something. Notice in verse number 2, he said, I am beholding. When he was searching, he found, I'm beholding your power and your glory. When you think about what he, he sees there, he sees some of the attributes of God. God is indeed All-powerful. He is indeed almighty. And sometimes we address Him in that way, Almighty Father. He is indeed glorious because of who He is and what He is. And we need to remember that. And so David found some of these attributes of God. But this morning, if we're going to be like David, and say like David said, Oh God, You are my God. Would we not do well to search out our God and who He is? Like David, shouldn't we be searching out who our God truly is? Not just some God, not just a God that has been mentioned along the way, but, oh God, You are my God. But what is that God? Who is that God? What is He like? What are His characteristics that you and I need to be assured by? Don't you want to know as much about Him as you possibly can? And I suggest to you this morning that we can't know everything about God. He's revealed enough of Himself to us that we know who He is and what He is and what He expects from us. But we can find those things that He has revealed to us in His Word. We can know what God was really like, what God is really like. And so this morning, in the time that we have allotted, I want to spend just a few minutes talking about who that God is, that God that we're searching out, some of the attributes or characteristics of God. This morning in our lesson, we'll look at four of those characteristics, but four of them that are so important to us that without them we could not be or survive. This morning as we began our lesson, I want us to understand that our God is holy. We serve a holy God. Do you remember back there in Psalm 63, that when David speaks about searching for God, O God, you are my God, I searched you in the sanctuary. And when we think about the sanctuary, we're generally thinking about the temple that was uh, to be built. Or at that time, the tabernacle, the temple had not as yet been built. But David said, I search God in the sanctuary. But the word sanctuary is an interesting word. It's used 467 times in the Old Testament. 63 of those times it's translated sanctuary, sanctuary. But there are 302 of those times that that word is simply translated as either holy or holiness. And so David is saying, I sought you in the holy place. David looked in the holy place for God because our God is holy. I would not agree with everything that John MacArthur, a denominational preacher, writes, but he did observe it in this way. He said, when the angels sang, they didn't say, eternal, eternal, eternal. He said, they didn't say, faithful, faithful, faithful. They didn't say, wise, wise, wise. They didn't say, mighty, mighty, mighty. What they did say, holy, 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 Lord God, Almighty, Both in Isaiah chapter 6 at verse 3 and in Revelation chapter 4 at verse number 8. We would do well to understand holiness as best we can. Elmer Towns put it this way, he said, Holiness may be one of the most difficult of the attributes to completely understand and define. It's because we are so unholy that we have such an, a, a hard time understanding the completeness and holiness of God. Tyson in his introductory lecture says, The holiness of God means He absolutely is absolutely separate from and exalted above His creation. And, and uh, he goes on and says that He is equally separate from moral creation and evil sin. God's holiness it is perfect freedom from all that is evil. It cannot even begin to come close to Him. And so, how that relates to us is this. We understand that sometimes we sin, don't we? But when we sin, we not only transgress God's law but it is also an offense to His holiness. Because we have participated in evil. We have done something that is wrong, that is, that is bad. And God is so separate from us in His holiness that He cannot even begin to countenance that bad, that wrongdoing that we have done. As we think about that, Nabob and Abihu in the Old Testament. We read about them in the book of Leviticus chapter number 10. The Bible speaks about in that passage how they, authori- or, or, or they offered unauthorized fire to God. And you remember the story how that God caused the fire to come out as they were offering offerings to Him. He caused that fire to come out and to consume them. But as we look in Leviticus chapter 10 at verse number 3, we have God's uh, explanation of what happens. The Bible says, Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord has said, Among those who are near me I will be sanctified. That's reading from the English Standard Version. If you read from the New King James Version, he said, I will be regarded as holy. And before... The people I will be glorified, and Aaron held his peace. The two men that were put to death by God were the sons of Aaron. And you can understand his being upset, his being uh, determined to find out why. But God said to Moses, Tell Aaron these words. When people think about me, when people act toward me, when, when people react to me, I will be regarded as holy. Nadab and Abihu sinned by offering the wrong fire. Fire that God had not authorized for them to use. And as such, they had offended the holiness of God. So said God. They treated God as though He was not separate, that He was not apart from from everything holy and above it. And that's the same thing that we do when we sin. When we say that bad word. When we go to the place that we know we shouldn't go. When we commit some act with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or, or, or when we drink or when we do all of these other things that, that get us into trouble. We're doing what Nadab and Abihu did. We are offending the holiness of God. We are not treating Him, regarding Him as being holy. And so when we think about God, He is indeed holy. We must give regard to His holiness. But you know what? Not only is God holy, God is also just. He is a God of justice. Again, as you go back to the book of Psalms 63... Drop down in that Psalm to verses 9 through 11. In Psalm 9, uh, 63, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says, David wrote these words, But those who dest- seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult for the mouths of liars will be stopped. You see, David in his dependence upon God expected God to work justice. David had done nothing wrong. Absalom had exalted himself trying to take over for God's anointed one. And now David is expecting his God that he had searched out to handle things for him. And that God in His justice would stop those who were offending Him, not just you know, hurting His feelings, but who were offending Him by seeking His own life. He believed that God's justice would come into play. To the justice of God, Psalm 37 at verse 28 says, "...For the Lord loves justice, and He will not forsake His saints." They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. It's because of the justice that penalties are paid. In Psalm 89, verse 14, the psalmist writes and said, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. As God is the ruler... Him being on His throne. The writer of the psalm says that the very foundation on which God's throne sits, the very foundation on which it has been built, is righteousness and justice. And so as we think about that, God Himself is that God of justice. Now consider this with me this morning. A perfect and holy God, we've already observed God to be holy, but a perfect and holy God gives only perfect and holy commands. That's the only thing He can do. If He's perfect and holy, He can't give a bad one. He can't give one that is in any way imperfect. But when imperfect and unholy people fail to keep God's perfect and holy commands, justice must be served. And that's what happens with us. When an imperfect and unholy people fail to keep God's perfect and holy commands, God must exercise and execute His justice upon us. Every sin from Eden until the end has never gone nor ever will go unrequited. It will be paid for in some way. Ezekiel chapter 18 at verse 20, the very first part of that verse says, The soul who sins, it shall die. In Romans chapter 6 at verse 23, Paul wrote and says, The wages of sin is death. You see, a perfectly holy and just God cannot throw either His holiness or His justice to the wind. He is holy, and when we sin, we offend His holiness, and therefore justice must be served. But that brings us to our next characteristic or attribute of God, and that is this, our God is loving. God is loving. Notice again Psalm 63, verses 3 and 4. The psalmist writes and says, "...because your steadfast love is better than life." My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. You see David talking about the love of God. Your steadfast love is is better than life itself. He is attributing this characteristic to God. We probably know better what is said in the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse number 8 where John writes these words, Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Some in the Old Testament and the New in the Bible are said to be loved by God. For example, in Deuteronomy 23 at verse 5, the Bible says, But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you. What's this? Because the Lord your God loved you. Talking to Israel, the Israelites. He said, I protected you because God loved you. Sometimes we think about God in the Old Testament being rough and mean. Or at least that is how some people seek to portray the God of the Old Testament. That's not what I read here. The Bible says that he protected Israel from the the curse that Balaam sought to bring against them because he loved them. Notice another passage found in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1 at verse number 7. Paul wrote and says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God, And called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He said much the same about the Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. For uh, for we know, brothers, loved by God that He has chosen you. Both the church in Rome, the church in Thessalonica, as well as the churches in other places, were loved by God. But it's back in John chapter 3 at verse 16 where we read these words, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Folks, when I read that, I understand this. God loves me and God loves you. God loved the world. Now, when we think about Him, we think about His holiness. He will be regarded as holy. When we think about Him, we think about His justice. Every offense to His holiness will suffer its reward. But I want you to also understand that it's because of His love this morning that everyone who sins is not immediately stricken down because of that love that God has for His creation that we are still here. It's because of His love also that the next characteristic of our God comes into play. It's because God looked down upon His creation and loved them that we can also understand that God is merciful. God is merciful. Again, back to Psalm 63, where we started out this morning, verses 5 through 8 this time. David writes and says, My soul will be satisfied as with the fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you've been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. And your right hand upholds me. God had been and continued to be merciful to David. David is out. He's in the wilderness. He is in a dry and desolate place. As he described his soul searching for God, it was like one out in a place like that. He was literally out in a place where, where there wasn't much water and there wasn't much of anything else. A desolate and dry land. But still, God had been merciful to him. Notice again what he said. David, God, had sheltered him under his wings. It was under his wings that he would sing for joy. Notice that he said that his right hand upholds him. You see, it's because of God's mercy that God did not allow David to go it all alone. He was there with him every step of the way. He had been his help. He had been the right hand that kept him safe. God had been merciful to David. This morning, as we think about our God who loves us so much, I want us to also think about the fact that God is more inclined to mercy than He is to wrath. More inclined to mercy than He is to wrath. Micah chapter seven at verse eighteen. Who's a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant? Does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in, in. The Standard Version says, "steadfast love." King James Version or New King James rather said, "He delights in mercy." In Psalm eighty-six at verse number five, again the psalmist said, "For you." You, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in English Standard says, steadfast love. King James Version, or New King James rather, says, abounding in mercy to all who call upon you. Psalm 103, verses 8 through 13, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in mercy. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love, English standard, New King James says, mercy toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. You say, Mark, I, I see that you read those verses, but they're all in the Old Testament. May I read you a couple out of the New? Think what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Paul writes and says, But God, who is rich in mercy think about that for a minute rich in mercy rich in mercy our God who is rich in mercy Paul wasn't finished there but he makes the point that I'm seeking to make in regard to God's love that we just talked about coming bringing what we said next His mercy into effect. If you finish reading what Paul said about God being rich in mercy, notice that he said, but God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. You see, it's the love of God that put His mercy. His mercy that He is rich in, it put it into action. Again, in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Peter wrote and said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why did He send His Son? Well, John 3.16 said He loved us, but He wanted to have mercy upon those whom He loved. He knew that His justice must be served, that every penalty must be paid. And Jesus the Son volunteered to come down here and take my place. He volunteered to come down here and take your place because God loved me and God loved you. And He took my punishment. He took my sins. And He took your punishment. And He took your sins and was nailed with those to the cross. Because of the great mercy, God has caused us to be born again. May I ask you a question this morning, very personal to you? Where are you in your life this morning? Are things going good for you? I hope so. I hope you're living the best life right now. Things are going so good that, as our president said, that they'll get to the point that you can't even stand it. I hope things are going good for you. It may be this morning that you're struggling, though. Like David of old, you're struggling. You're hurting. You're being chased by whatever it is. That may be you. It may be this morning that you are just living a life that is ho-hum. I don't have to define ho-hum. You understand it, don't you? Especially if you're going through it. That it's neither good nor bad. It's just life. It's just there. Where are you this morning in your life? What I want you to understand is no matter where you are in your life, you need God you need him but there's only one true and living God only one and this is what that God is like that God is holy that God is just that God loves you and that God wants to show mercy To you. That's who that God is. Like David, do you need to be seeking out that God this morning? Do you need to be putting Him into your life? With David this morning, can you say, listen to the words, can you say, oh God, you are my God? This morning, if you're not a Christian... That God is still the God of the universe. That God is still the only one true and living God. That God will one day be your judge. But if you're not a Christian this morning, you can't say, Oh God, you're my God. You don't share in the mercy that He has offered you through His Son that is put into place when you become obedient to Him. Being buried with His Son in baptism to be raised up to walk in newness of life. This morning in your life, as you can contemplate your own life, if you know that you are living in sin, that there's something that is separating you from God, you can't say like David, Oh God, you are my God. But before you leave this place this morning, you can change that. You can put your Lord on in baptism. You can get a life that is not being lived right, straightened out. We can pray with you and for you. We can assist you in your obedience and being buried with Christ. And you can leave this place like David saying, Oh God, you are my God. And when you stand before Him, you'll thank Him for the mercy because He loved you the mercy that He had in not making you undergo the punishment for His justice when you offended His holiness. Do you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today? For whatever reason it may be, if you need to do that,